fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about boys with my friend Vienna. Ooh, we're going to talk about boys today? We're talking about boys. Hell yeah. <laughs> How are you, Vienna? Are they cute boys? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> oh, less exciting. <laughs> How's it going? Mm, my tummy hurts. We've been off for a week now because of various illnesses because i have some guests in my upper intestines <laughs> um <laughs> how are you i you know i'm feeling better today but i had covid for a whole week and it uh it knocked me on my ass i must say i you might know some like uh, voice changes or i sound a little stuffed up because i'm still sort of on the mens but like uh I it uh, it's no joke, uh, friends. <laughs> I know Vienna. What a surprise! <laughs> I know Vienna. You've already had it before. I don't know. Like uh, it, even like talking to some people, like it it hit me pretty hard. Like I was, I had mm-hmm. my booster and everything, and uh, yeah, there was a moment even where I I woke up in the middle of the night as like there was stuff in my lungs that I had to cough out. And uh, I was worried there for a second that I was going to have to go to the hospital or whatever. But uh, I managed. I persevered. And uh, yeah, n- not fun. Uh, my my daughter also uh, had a fever uh, and uh, wife as well. So the whole house was sick except for my son. And uh, <laughs> he did test positive, but like had absolutely no symptoms. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a weird time. Uh, not fun. I don't want to relive it. <laughs> you wouldn't recommend? <laughs> Would not recommend. Uh, but I uh, am... Rating out of 10 in terms of, like, recommend would not recommend. Uh, wait, which which one's recommended? <laughs> 10, <laughs> of course. I'm hoping, too, because I had super brain fog during this thing, so, like... There was moments where, like, I would just stare off into space because, like, my brain just couldn't function. So, uh, I hopefully will be able to get through this episode. <laughs> but my brain's hope- feeling good today, you know. It'll be very funny if we get, like, halfway through and you just totally zone out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't imagine that happening. I, I was pretty good yesterday in terms of the brain fog. And uh, as, as for most of today, uh, I'm okay. So, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I will say that we are behind, obviously. And so the week that we're going to cover, this is uh, April 11th to April 15th. So we're, we're a bit delayed. And there will be a week where we'll do two epi- or two weeks in one week as we catch up. But uh, we've been kind of busy uh, this weekend as well. So it was harder for us to, to catch up. But the reason why we're, we're still going back to this week is because something super important happened. So we are going to cover, I guess... Uh, really briefly, most of the week, and then on the Friday episode, we're going to spend all of our time. So, uh, and and you'll see why it's important and why we needed to cover it in a second. But, uh, but yes, we will hopefully catch up in the future. Sorry for the delays. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully I'm not going to get COVID anytime soon. <laughs> Since I already got it, hopefully I got that. Now, what did the natural immunity is kicked in? I don't know. You got booster and natural immunity you're you'll be all right for a little bit until until the sh- the sheath strain comes gets you 
yeah so uh ho- yes yeah, so hopefully that all works out and uh yeah keep wearing your masks let's uh let's get right to it hello my rebels hello my rebels i'm a good boy I'm a weirdo. So we begin with April 11th, and it was a bit weird because Ezra wants to talk about Jesse Brown. And Jesse Brown is the, I don't i don't know what the word I'm looking for, owner of Canada Land Podcast? <laughs> he's, he's the Canada Land dude. I don't know <laughs> anything else. The weird thing is, Ezra, I think, is currently suing them or has sued them in the past. Like, there's several ongoing lawsuits with Ezra against Canada Land. And yet, he wants to praise Jesse Brown in this episode because Jesse Brown has been, one of, like, on the forefront of, like, criticizing the uh, liberals' plans to, I guess, give bailouts to journalism organizations. And so Ezra finds common cause with him there. Uh, he claims that Jesse Brown is on the left, uh, and I, I, I vaguely maybe. <laughs> I mean, he's like a left lib, isn't he? Yeah, that's kind of like wh- how I was going to frame him. Uh, he definitely seems to be pro-capitalist, but like whatever, like not not to like break down this nuance. Ezra fights common cause in him uh, nonetheless, and mainly focuses on the fact that he says Jesse Brown is also against getting a journalist uh, license. Although it's <laughs> still nothing the government is doing is giving anyone a journalist license. So I don't even know what what he's referring to. Although like we know he's referring to the thing that we talked about last episode, which is the QCJO designation bullshit, right? Uh, and so I guess Jesse Brown is against it. And uh, <laughs> Jesse, Bra- he plays a clip of a Canada Land podcast where it sounds like Jesse Brown is against these designations because he thinks that like them receiving government money is akin to like influencing their coverage. And this is something that like I disagree with Jesse Brown on this, like receiving a tax incentive. Like, how is that unless unless the assumption is like you can't criticize the government or else they're not going to give you, like, the tax money or something like this. But that, like, that's never stopped the CBC from doing that stuff in the past. Or it's, it hasn't stopped, say, the National Post's coverage right now, even though they're receiving a bailout. So it's like, I don't know how this stuff is supposed to, like, work out to influence the coverage. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you agree with me on that or not. But, but Jody, we don't know if they'll get funding for the next pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't funding for the pandemic, though, right? It was funding for, uh, it was funding just to save them because journalism is failing. <laughs> exactly. So next time it fails, you know, better hope that there's a conservative government in power to fund our media. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just don't understand that theory at all. But anyways, so that was the April 11th episode. Not much to, to talk about there. Because it's mostly stuff we've already covered before. On the 12th, uh, David Menzies was guest hosting. And it was all about how NASA is going woke. <laughs> I, 
And uh, there was absolutely nothing to talk about there. It's just like, I guess they they are have inclusive language about their astronauts or something. And like, God forbid we have inclusive language. They got to go back to their roots of hiring Nazis straight out of the war. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I whatever. Then Ezra comes back for the interview segment. And I thought we were going to get something to talk about here uh, because he has Andrew Lawton on. Uh, again, used to be an employee of Rebels, now with True North, uh, and he's a bigot, you know. And he's on to talk about Holocaust denial. And oh, <laughs> because I guess in the uh, budget, the liberals put in a thing, uh, basically saying that like Holocaust denial is going to be. I-, I haven't looked at the specifics, but there's going to be like a higher criminal uh, charge for something mm. like that. Uh, which again is legal in Canada, like hate speech or or laws against hate speech are allowed in our country, contrary to what some on the right want to think. And uh, so it's probably going to be constitutional to do this, but they're against it. And the weird part is like Andrew and Ezra are both both against it, but of course, being against it, they have to constantly stay. Well, like we're not Holocaust deniers, et cetera, et cetera. We like we both think that Holocaust denial is stupid, but like laws against uh, free speech are are bad. And <laughs> sure, Ezra keeps framing. The weird thing about it though is Ezra throughout the whole interview keeps framing Holocaust denial in terms of questioning the Holocaust. Because, like, to him, he's, like, he feels like somehow this law is going to target people who, like, uh, come from African countries who know nothing about the Holocaust that are just, like, Holocaust? What is that? And then, <laughs> and then they're going to be fined for, like, Holocaust denial? And we've already talked because he's done this before on the show where he's talked about how some reason for some reason af- people from African countries don't know what the Holocaust is or don't know anything about World War Two, even though, you know, it's World War Two. But uh, yeah, he just it's more of that shit. So it wasn't like a lot to get into. Just a weird fucking thing to say. Yeah. Also, just like. You know, you got to invent a guy so that you can justify Holocaust <laughs> denial. <laughs> Well, that is like, I don't even think that that would fit under the law, because that's not no. denial. That's just, it's just like, I'm a confused person. Which is like, fair enough. The last thing is, like, he, he does say in the interview, too, that he's like, we need, or like, these laws are bad, because what it does is it prevents you from actually knowing who the bigots are. And so it's like, you need bigots to be bigoted else otherwise like you won't be able to find out who they are uh <laughs> which i'm like that's actually the worst outcome because if you know who they are the other bigots know who they are and then they can like form bigot groups which is the whole reason why you want to outlaw that shit you know but apparently that's a negative to <laughs> to Ezra so yeah they won't be able to form bigotry groups to harass minorities like that's a negative to Ezra. <laughs> he he also plays into that trope where he's like, you'll make them go underground, and when they go underground, they get stronger. Which, like, I don't... There's I've he- heard people on the left make this argument, and it makes no sense to me. Yet it's, like, a very common thing about, like, if you curb any speech, it'll go underground and become stronger. 
<laughs> yeah, it was. A... Well, you know, because then then you're talking about in a little communities and you're conspiring rather than just being openly bigoted. Uh, I, don't, I don't get it, but a lot of people find that argument convincing. So, so that was that. We we then go on to the thirteenth, and it turns out that Ezra was not hosting the day prior because he was in court. Uh, dealing with a lawsuit uh, against his Lebranos book. So remember, that was the one where he put up lawn signs. Yes. They don't they don't say anything about the case, uh, just that, excuse me, just that they've, like, updated, and that's, like, what they're uh, fighting in court right now. He also, like, suggests they had a, uh, a hearing recently as well about the, the Twitter case, which was the fact that Stephen Guilbeault blocked them on Twitter. So they're still mm-hmm. they're still pursuing that lawsuit. And of course, Ezra talks about the fact that they're suing based on the, uh, the the taxation designation. So, uh, the episode is primarily just Ezra being like, "We're still suing," and uh, we're still suing. I got no updates because yeah. we're losing, but we're still suing. <laughs> we're trying. We're trying our best. And then the fourteenth again, nothing much to talk about. Uh, Elon Musk is doing things. And uh, we talked about that last week. So nothing, at least in terms of this, uh, the news broke today that it's quite likely that Musk is going to buy Twitter. And in that case, uh, I'm guessing we'll have more to talk about. But uh, when this episode aired, it was just more like, yeah, Elon Musk is going to stick it to him. And uh, I have nothing to add to that, really. I really hope there's just like a mass migration off of Twitter soon. I hate that site so much. I'm curious about where people would go, because, like, the closest thing is probably, like, Mastodon. (laughs) Um, That was trending along with Elon Musk today, so we'll uh, see how it goes. You you mentioned Tumblr last time, so we'll see. uh... Oh, I hope. No, I don't want you guys back there. Like, (laughs) I don't want, I don't want that immigration. Uh, Vienna coming out against immigration here. Yeah, I'm <laughs> pro hard borders on social media sites. <laughs> I want them all siloed. Like, fair yeah. enough. Uh, so then we get to the 15th, the Friday. We did it. I told you this week, uh, uh very easy to just, uh, go through. There was not a lot going on, but the 15th came with a, uh, Kind of, to me, kind of surprising interview. So, uh, in order to introduce the interview, I am going to play a clip. And the clip itself is going to be relevant to, I think, a lot of what's going to happen in this interview, too. So, uh, I, I would recommend to pay attention to the words of the clip that I'm going to play. Even though you might, at first glance, think, what, what, is, what is Jody subjecting us to? So, uh, I guess, uh, without further ado. Proud of your boy. I'll make you proud of your boy. Believe me, bad as I've been, ma, you're in for a pleasant surprise. I've wasted time. I've wasted me. So say I'm slow for my age, a late bloomer. Okay, I agree that I've been one rotten kid. Some son, 
some pride and some joy. But I'll get over these lousing up, messing up, screwing up times. You'll see, ma, now comes the better part. Someone's gonna make good cross this stupid heart. Make good and finally make you proud of your boy. So yes, that was Proud of Your Boy from the Broadway musical Aladdin. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Which, uh, for those who don't know, is actually where the Proud Boys get their name. Uh, so the interview today is with Gavin McGinnis. But I wanted to play at least a verse from that song to sort of like highlight how like actually connected to the Proud Boy movement that song is in terms of like what it's describing there as being like, you know, I used to be this like hooligan out there. Uh, <laughs> getting involved in, like, crimes and mishaps. But, like, one day I'm going to settle down, become a re real man, and, uh, you know, make my mom proud of me kind of thing. <laughs> Which, in a large degree, is like, and, and we'll hear part of it in this interview, is what Gavin perceives the Proud Boys as. So it's not, it really is clear how much this song is connected to their movement. It's just also weird that it is from the Broadway musical Aladdin. <laughs> yep. And and I've why? listened to that song way too many times. You've played that for me way too many times. I never want to hear it again. Proud of you, boy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the main. It gets stuck in your fucking head, though. It's <laughs> that's the main way that I've heard it too. Is you having sung it to me with the aim of annoying me. <laughs> Uh, well, good. <laughs> uh, so yes, Friday's episode was an hour long, an, an entire hour long, uh, unedited, nothing else occurred in the episode of just Gavin McGinnis and Ezra Levant shooting the shit. And of course, it's worth reminding that Gavin used to be employed by Rebel News. Uh, and also in Gavin's previous interviews... I think it was like our second episode that we ever did. Uh, so you could go back and listen to it. He mentioned in that, the week that we were covering in that episode, that he credits Ezra with basically jump-starting his career in terms of like a media personality. Because before then, Gavin, I think, worked at Vice uh, Magazine. He actually co-created it, uh, was kicked out, then worked for a bunch of ad revenue, uh, or ad agencies i think he did like promotional stuff for like vans shoes and stuff like this at one point uh before being kicked out of that too and i think he he will i don't think he explains in this interview why he was kicked out and it's pretty bad uh but but the the point being <laughs> he he did all that stuff and then got a job at rebel news where he became like a popular internet celebrity i guess you can say and of course, we all know now that while being an employee at Rebel, he created a fraternity called the Proud Boys, who are now designated a terrorist organization in Canada. <laughs> uh, Oops. And so, so before getting into it, it's worth reflecting on why this interview is taking place in the first, like, why it's happening at all. Since at the beginning of this interview, Ezra mentions that he was the one who asked Gavin to come on to catch up. And, like, the reason why I, 
I want to reflect on this is because Rebel, sadly, is growing. And they are getting, I guess, more inroads with the conservative party. So uh, leadership candidates are, like, talking to them, which is very concerning. So it makes me wonder, like, why bring on the guy who's associated with Rebel News who created a terrorist organization? And, of course, part of this is to rewrite history and make the Proud Boys seem more innocent than they are, and by extension prove that Rebel News was treated unfairly. And Rebel News never talks about why they were removed from the conservative party's inner circle, although we talk about it all the time. Uh, and that was in part because they were removed because they were associated with people like Gavin, uh, who had Proud Boys attend the Charlottesville rally, where another one of their employees, uh, Faith Goldie, would attend and then go on a neo-Nazi podcast. And uh, shortly afterwards, <laughs> uh, or shortly before the Charlottesville thing, it's worth reminding, Gavin, Faith, and Ezra all went on a trip to Israel where Gavin wrote a stand-up routine that was called 10 Things I Hate About Jews. And they played this off as like, oh, it was just comedy. And he played it in front of like Israeli Jews and they all laughed. It was supposed to be more self-deprecating or something like this. But then the more worrying clip to me was he went, he did a video that was not funny. It was just him talking and it was like released I think on his own YouTube rather than Rebels, but he was talking about how visiting like a Holocaust memorial in Israel actually made him more of a Holocaust denier. Uh, and that was not comedy. It, was <laughs> it wasn't a joke. And like, mm -hmm. if you want to talk about like actual Holocaust denial as we were in like previous clips, like I think like what they think is Holocaust denial is just flat out saying that the Holocaust didn't happen. But what Gavin does in his own YouTube video is criticize the numbers and the motivations and like the various things, which really is. So it's like overall, he gets to pretend like, oh, I'm not saying the Holocaust didn't happen. I'm just saying it's exaggerated and it's this, this and this. Right. Which is mm -hmm. part of what Holocaust denial is, is to say that there's some concerted effort to like exaggerate the number of deaths or the motivations behind it so he is in line with with holocaust denial even if he wants to obfuscate and say that he isn't it's also worth noting just in terms of like you know faith goldie going to charlottesville and going on a neo-nazi podcast one of the lead organizers of the charlottesville rally some guy named jason kessler was himself a proud boy okay <laughs> now <laughs> the thing that gets complicated here is after charlottesville happened Gavin said that he already had kicked Jason Kessler out of the Proud Boys and there was some sort of confusion about that. But it's likely Gavin was trying to save face because initially he was associated with the Charlottesville rally. He pulled out support just right before it happened, even though many of his Proud Boys still attended, and then tried to say that he kicked Jason Kessler out because obviously when neo-Nazis start showing up, it looks bad if you're associated with the Charlottesville rally. So... Mm -hmm. I'll I'll let you be the judge of what you think Gavin was thinking there. But, like, isn't it interesting that his Proud Boys also turn out to be neo-Nazis? For a person who's going to claim constantly that he's not racist? Lastly, it's also uh, worth reminding that there have been several mass murders, including the Quebec mosque shooter and the Christchurch mosque shooter, who watched Rebel News content including stuff produced by Gavin and Lauren Southern. So Gavin was one of the pe things that a lot of people watched before they then became mass shooters. So again, not saying there's any causal relationship here, just maybe something to keep in mind 
while we go through this interview. I really love it when you cover your ass like that. (laughs) So we don't need to go over the litany of crimes committed by the Proud Boys. We've done that in previous episodes because back when Proud Boys were considered a terrorist organization, Ezra did a whole segment uh, talking about how, like, that's bullshit, they're so nice, or whatever, and we covered all of their crimes. But it is worth highlighting that since we did that episode, more than a dozen Proud Boys were arrested following the January 6th attack on the Capitol, including the Proud Boys' current leader, who's uh, currently uh, being charged, with criminal cons- criminal conspiracy for planning that attack. So, <laughs> uh, uh, there you go. Proud Boys, totally Woo-hoo. innocent, never done anything wrong. Uh, but Ezra brings Gavin on to, ch- to shoot the shit about all this stuff. So... They start the interview by chatting about how the term alt-right, it used to actually be pretty cool until the media tainted the term alt-right as being pro-Nazi. Political correctness started in the 90s. Uh, I held it back from 2000 to 2005. I kept the wolves at bay. They overpowered us. Then they ran rampant for 10 years, but Trump then put them back in their place. And we had a brief epoch, as you say, around 2015, where, remember, alt-right didn't mean anti-Semitic or racist. It meant fun. And uh, then things got more radical. Alt-right was hijacked by the the, the Nazis. And the the liberal party, the, the left, was hijacked by Antifa. And the whole country became far more radical. And unfortunately... The radical leftists were the ones left in charge of social media, the justice system, the government, everything. That's right. Antifa is in control of everything. (laughs) We did it. I wish. Yeah. (laughs) One day we will. One day. Now, again, he's he talks about how like alt right uh, got taken over by the Nazis and all that fun stuff, and. I guess, like, Ezra's going to riff on that in his own way in a second, but it is worth sort of going over that term because it is funny to hear them say this when alt-right was coined by Richard Spencer uh, because he wrote a blog that was called The Alternative Right. Alternative Right, alt-right, see? Yeah. And uh, Richard Spencer... <laughs> uh, I mean, well, like, for for one, Richard Spencer's blog was about, like, melding the right wing by connecting white nationalism and... Uh, with paleoconservatism, as well as what was considered the Dark Enlightenment, or what we've called on the show uh, neo-reactionary. Like, the neo-reactionary movement is, like, uh, what they refer to as the Dark Enlightenment. And mm-hmm. Richard Spencer would become more well-known after the election of Donald Trump for what is called Hailgate, which is when he decided to give the uh, Roman salute while, sail- while saying, Hail Trump, Hail Victory, uh, <laughs> and he did this on film because he's an idiot. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it tainted their movement for a bit. Uh, he then went on to help organize the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. And again, that was the event that Faith Goldie attended, as well as many Proud Boys, was organized by a Proud Boy. And then, of course, Goldie went on to the Daily Stormer podcast, which is a neo-Nazi podcast that again was associated with this rally. Uh, and Andrew Angland who's the, I guess, who was the the founder of Stormfront, which had the Daily Stormer podcast, 
they were also associated with Richard Spencer in term of popularizing, or they were also associated with Spencer in popularizing the term alt-right. So this term was always fascist. It was always associated with the Nazis. It was never perverted and it did not change. Like alt-right was, it was Nazi. <laughs> all the founders, all the people who coined that term and used that term, they were all fucking Nazis. So like... But Jody, they've all rebranded themselves as various forms of normal conservative now. Yeah. So they were never, no, they don't hold those beliefs anymore, and they never did to begin with. I mean, even in terms of the Dark Enlightenment and the neo-reactionary movement, you can even tell in the clip that we just played that there's hints of this. So when Gavin talks about how like the left has taken over all the cultural institutions and the government and the establishment is all left, like that is the whole notion of the the uh, the cathedral, which is like comes yeah. from Curtis Yarvin and the neo reactionary movement, which is something that we've highlighted has been appearing on Ezra's show for the past little while. Uh, it is going to be evident in the clip I'm about to play of uh, Ezra's as well. Uh, so it's like again, they're they're constantly playing this game where they're like, we're not like the the, the fringe neo Nazis that like took this term and perverted it, and yet they're espousing all the same ideals. So it's. <laughs> I wonder what that could mean, you know? Yeah. So now we get Ezra's take on uh, alt-right. I first heard the word alt-right. I didn't know what it meant, other than I thought it was the fun, fresh, young rebellion against the establishment GOP. When I think of the word alt-right when I first heard it, I would have thought of Milo Yiannopoulos, the British, yes. Greek, gay, uh, Jewish... Uh, shock performance art uh, political pundit who sort of Jack Pasovic, you know, a little bit Southern. Liberace, a little bit Ann Coulter. And I yes. thought it's that fun. It's that it, it was the cultural uh, creativity. And just like the national security deep state and the public health deep state destroyed parts of that moment, the cultural deep state destroyed some of the things you're talking about. They turned the word alt-right into a racist thing. Maybe it had racist roots, but for a while there, it was just, you know, unconventional conservatism. They rebranded it as racist. They branded the symbols of the writing, including the little okay symbol as racist. They, yep. they really Nazified everything. I, I lost track if, if Trump was a Nazi or a communist uh, Putin um, tool that seemed to flip back and forth. Just on that last point, I had to include it just because like, I don't recall anyone who was criticizing Trump's association with Putin who was directly saying that it was like communist. Like there was probably some people out there, but it was like, you know, the, the Soviet Union did collapse. <laughs> I don't know. Putin uh, doesn't strike me. Uh, I, none of my communist friends seem to like think that Putin is actually a, a communist. But I mean, I, I say this, but there's going to be people out there that don't fit this pattern. <laughs> I'm aware, but like, I think primarily most people don't actually think that. But it's also like, again, funny for Ezra to be bringing up Milo here, because Milo wrote, at the behest of Steve Bannon, an article for Breitbart News, with the specific intent to try to merge uh, the Nazis and neo-reaction, uh, in a way to make them more palatable to mainstream conservatives. This had all leaked from email exchanges in a great BuzzFeed article, which I am going to link in the show notes. We've talked about it a lot. It's just amazing that 
Ezra is associated with a lot of people who are involved in that story, and it just never brings it up. He even still invites uh, guests on his show that were in these leaked emails. <laughs> and on the note of connections, too, like Gavin brought up Lauren Southern, who was also a Rebel employee. Like, yeah. I mean, she, yeah. <laughs> she, I mean, like, she has her own problems, but like, she at least wasn't involved. Uh, well, I wouldn't say at least because she's done other as equally shitty things in, in other uh, publications and in her own work. <laughs> but uh, I mean, this this stuff, the thing that's fascinating, too, about uh, what Milo did and in order to like distance Milo from the like because he tries to say, well, like Milo was gay. Milo was uh, Jewish. He's like going through all these things. Milo was converted to to Roman Catholicism, which I guess like fits his like, uh, what do you call it? Like the the neo reaction ideal. So like a lot of neo reactionaries are Roman Catholic. There's also the fact that Milo is like now renouncing his gayness and uh, stuff like this. So uh, we'll see how all that plays out. But in these emails in that were uh, leaked and uh, printed in the BuzzFeed article, what Milo did in helping to write his piece was he connected, uh, he reached out to someone named Weave, and Weave was a, I guess, the system administrator for the Daily uh, Stormers website. Uh, so again, that was like the neo-Nazi connection. And then the other person he reached out to was a guy named Curtis Yarvin, who blogged under the name Mencius Moldbug, and turned out to be like a tech person who worked for Peter Thiel. And he's, Curtis Yarvin is seen as like the sort of like, preeminent philosopher about the dark enlightenment and neo-reactionary thought, right? So what Milo did was he took these this neo-Nazi and this neo-reactionary person and like took both input from both of them and crafted an article for Breitbart News to make it more palatable to people. <laughs> so it's like even Milo was working with these people to promote Nazism. <laughs> and and not only that, like there's a video leaked around the same time that these emails leaked that showed Milo Yiannopoulos at a karaoke bar with Richard Spencer while both of them are singing and giving the Roman salute. So it's like, again, to try to claim that Milo himself doesn't have Nazi sympathies is to be completely fucking ignorant of what that asshole was doing. And of course, it's like, I don't think there actually are this ignorant. They're just trying to obfuscate and be like, Oh, he was a gay Jewish person, so he couldn't be Nazi. He he couldn't have any association with Nazi. Why why are you why is the left being so radical, man? Yeah. It's it's, it's what they always do. Like it's just Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Lauren Southern, so again, uh someone who did great replacement videos on their fucking <laughs> on her YouTube channel and got involved in trying to prevent uh, refugees coming across the Mediterranean. Uh, you know, a really shitty human being. But uh, Gavin also, and and of course, Ezra is not going to touch Gavin bringing up Lauren Southern because uh, they left in, Lauren left the rebel on like sour terms. Uh, we've covered that before. But then also like, uh, I think Lauren Southern hinted or suggested that Gavin was like creepy towards her uh <laughs> which involved part of like her uh 
she's trying to do like a rebranding to her to be like, I'm not as bad as I used to be. I'm kind of now a centrist kind of like bullshit that she's doing. Uh, even though she holds all the same fucking ideas about immigration and refugees and whatnot. But she's trying to go through this rebranding tour. And part of the reason is like, the right wing, they were so mean to me and misogynistic and stuff like this. Uh, so it's like interesting that Gavin would, would bring that up as well. But then he also mentions Jack Posobiec as being one of these people who's just like having a good time. Jack, <laughs> Jack Posobiec, who also used to be a Rebel News employee, uh, has... Oh, he did? Yeah. Uh, in oh fact, he was working for Rebel in the famous clip, and so was Laura Loomer at the time, too, when both of them stormed that fucking play. Uh, I think it was a rendition of Caesar, but like... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you're Joseph Goebbels! <laughs> uh, and they got kicked out of the theater venue. But like, Jack Posobiec on Twitter has like promoted the use of the, the 1488 uh, slogan, mm. which is like... Uh, about having white babies and securing a future for the the white race and 8-8 being Hail Hitler, uh, combined with the fact that he's used the triple parentheses as well, which is to denote someone as Jewish, as a, as a, it used to be a dog whistle to be like, oh yeah, this person is Jewish, as in they're part of the Jewish conspiracy or whatever. So again, these are people who have worked for Rebel and are, are the people they're saying are associated with the alt-right, and yet they all seem to be Nazis. <laughs> and yet they're then trying to say that, oh, but the term was just so super fun conservatives. They're just cool, cool conservatives being young and hip. I mean, at the same time, though, like with how everything has shifted since the alt-right was kind of like a thing, too, these are just like normal... So many of these are just, like, normal views to have now. Yep. You know, which is obviously not a good thing, but it is just, like, they did it. Like, They got a president elected, you know? Yeah, well, but also, like, you know, they got a president elected who was kind of just, like, whatever to them. Like, you know, he represented a, a groundswell in terms of, like, they'll able they'll be able to get more support. But that's, yeah, that's what I'm referring that's to. That's not end goal type of thing, right? Like, and, you know, the actual step that they achieved by getting Trump elected was their own normalization more than anything else. And that's fucking terrifying. No, that's the thing is they shaped the culture. I mean, like. It, yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, it, it is weird, like, to think of, like. Did Trump accomplish anything towards their goals significantly? No, but it's like you wouldn't have things like the trucker convoy or any of this shit if it wasn't for the fact that these people now feel emboldened and they've created a culture of these people. You know, they now know who it's the same reason why we talked about free speech earlier in this episode, which is like they're now able to find each other openly and it's like easy for them now, you know. And that's bad. We don't, we don't want them finding friends, you know? <laughs> we want them to feel socially isolated and alone. So you would think that what's happening here is they're trying to distance themselves from certain aspects. But, like, Gavin clearly, even though he's no longer the leader of the Proud Boys, is uh, not distant from them because, in fact, during this interview, he's wearing a Proud Boy t-shirt. And Ezra wants to point that out and then start talking about the Proud Boys. I see you're wearing uh, underneath your, your vest there a Proud Boys shirt. Now, I remember when you were talking about Proud Boys here at Rebel News. I remember what I said to you. I see you got a, 
you know, turn that into a franchise and own it and control it. Don't mind me. And it was just a movement. It was men saying, I want to hang out in a non-woke place. I want to hang out with other guys, guys, talk sports, drink beer, and not always be on guard for a word crime. And, you know, I traveled with you to different places, including, including Israel, where there was a huge Proud Boys meetup, 200 people. So it's obviously not an anti-Semitic thing if you got hundreds of Jews meeting you in Israel for it. It's, it felt like a goofy fraternity for guys who were no longer in college. That's how I would describe Proud Boys. But it's literally being designated a terrorist group in Canada now. I mean, it really doesn't surprise me at all that there's like Proud Boy fraternities in Israel. Not surprising whatsoever. Yeah, no, that's very on brand. <laughs> and it, and here's, it's the same reason that JDL will associate with like Pegidi here. Like they like to, Ezra likes to use this to be just like, oh, well, they can't be associated with Nazism in the far right because they're Jewish. As if like being a religious group sort of like prevents you at all from being fascist, which is not how this works. But you can see how they're trying to frame this. It's just a fraternity. It's just a bunch of boys that want to hang around and be boys. You know? They they want to you know they want to go to a a beer hall in Munich. They want to yeah. you know <laughs> they want to have a party. Funny thing is that's going to come up in a bit because <laughs> because of course it is. But uh, they then have a back and forth about whether the Proud Boys are violent, and Gavin tries to spin it all as self defense. And they both argue that it is the left that are the real violent uh, group, especially Antifa. They're, they're the real violent group. And Ezra gives, like, slight pushback to some of what Gavin is saying, uh, suggesting that even though it's all self-defense, so he agrees with Gavin about that, he's like, it still is used by the left for ammun ammunition to paint the Proud Boys as, like, evil and violent the fact that they engage in the self-defense. So we will hear Ezra explain that. See, what that did, though, is it gave the left what they had been missing, which is everyone knows that the left is violent, has been violent. It's part of the communist way. It's, it's what you do when you're not a liberal Democrat. Um, it goes back centuries. It goes back to the Bolshevik Revolution. It's rules for radicals. So Antifa and Black Lives Matter had a rampage of riots and arson across America, and it, everyone knew it was being done by the left. But because Proud Boys were, quote, bodyguards, as you said, or had some, you know, uh, physical, um, you know, swearing in ceremonies when you were froshed or whatever that's called, the left said, aha, we have the counterweight to show that violence is a right-wing thing. Now we're going to build up Proud Boys as the mirror image of Antifa. Antifa has killed people, torched cities, billions of dollars of damage. They're organized, they're financed, they're funded, they're controlled. Black block. You know, America was a fire in the year 2020. Uh-huh. We had a few uh, scruffy fraternity boys who had a bit much to drink and got into fisticuffs. We found our counterweight. We're going to pump it up with the FBI and prosecute them and show that, no, 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 the domestic violent extremism is on the right. I think that they saw the Proud Boys and said, not only do we want to take the steam out of this cultural thing, this pro-Western, pro-conservative fraternity, 
We want to turn it into a Nazi, a modern Nazi movement because we need one of those. There's, we don't have one to point to. We'll turn this into a Nazi movement. Like, I can't name you a single Antifa murder. <laughs> Apparently, they're just rampant. Antifa's just, like, murdering people. Uh, I wish, you know? Like, I mean, I wish we were in the days of leftist assassinating yeah. politicians again. <laughs> uh, like the early 1800s? Or actually, that, that extended through most of the 1800s, actually. But uh, even the early yeah. 1900s, so... Uh, but I mean, like it was, it, it is a phenomenon. Like what I'm saying is like, yes, I'm not saying the left is beyond acts of violence or that it's like they're incapable. It's just weird in our modern like time frame. I can only think of one vaguely left wing shooting in terms of like what happened at these Black Lives Matter rally, which is what happened in Portland. And then that person was sum- summarily executed by like the police. Like, mm-hmm. they, they just open fired on his car without, like, giving him a trial or any of that shit. So it's like, that's the only Antifa shooting that I can think of. And and that's Antifa loosely uh, designated there because there's questions about this guy and, and all that fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, and, and we'll like, never know because we'll never have a trial for any of that shit. They killed him. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. There was that one shooting that happened in chaz or whatever um but some of those weren't associated with the like movement they were like yeah well but that's the thing right like it's anti anti anti-fascism is not a like organization type of thing i just mean i I mean in terms of like it wasn't someone doing it going i'm doing this for anti-fascism it's like usually they're in the chaz but like uh, like, for example, there was domestic violence that occurred at one of the Black Lives Matter rally. But, like, what does that have to do with Black Lives Matter at all? Like, domestic yeah. violence is bad, and that could occur anywhere, which is sad. But, like, that is the state of the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, you had groups like Patriot Prayer and, like, other right-winged militias working arm-in-arm with the cops to kettle protesters and whatever else. And, like, yeah, there were multiple, like, mass shootings at these protests where right-wingers came with guns and just opened fire on the crowd like not to mention the fact like it's it's funny that they talk about like the the violence and the burning of the cities there's several incidents that have already been documented where the instigators for some of like the building burning were right-wing agitators boogaloo boys who wanted to foment a, a civil race war so it's like and here's the thing is I'm not saying that to downplay some of the like what I consider based violence like uh, well quote unquote violence like the burning of the police precinct like even if we didn't do that do that I'm going to take credit for it you know <laughs> but the fact is some of it was not uh done by the protesters it was done by like right wing agitators and like we know that now like that's starting to come out so it's like for him to claim like this was all somehow a left wing phenomenon also like ignores the fact that no like this was done by probably people who are involved with the proud boys if we're going to be real you know there's probably a big overlap between boogaloo boys and proud boys if i have to take a guess we're now going to get gavin's response to to Ezra here uh Uh, in terms of this very moderate and light pushback. I've heard this discussion from Tucker Carlson, Stephen Crowder, uh, Ben Shapiro, and and even the New York Times. Alan Froyer was a journalist who's kind of one of these Proud Boys stalkers. And uh, 
he said, you know what you should do? You should be like Martin Luther King and you should go to an Antifa rally and just stand there and let them beat you. And then you can show that you're not violent. They're violent. And I said, F you, Alan, these people murder. They, they bring knives. They, they will kill me. And this idea, this Martin Luther King idea, where you just sit there and take it is not what I'm about. It's maybe it's because I'm a hoser and Canadian by roots. Maybe it's hockey, but there's no way I'm sitting there and let people abuse me to make some sort of a Messiah like point. Hell no. And look at like what you're saying is totally accurate. I did a talk at the Metropolitan Club here in New York City. They uh, Antifa showed up. They were attacking everyone, old ladies. They beat a journalist, uh, stole his equipment. Zero charges, by the way. Hurling bottles of urine, glass bottles of urine at old ladies and everyone to come in. They they vandalized the venue. Uh, The police made everyone disperse. Antifa went around the block. They flanked the Proud Boys. Proud Boys were on their way home. They began hurling urine at the Proud Boys. And the Proud Boys, that was a want to fight. And the Proud Boys said, yes, we do. And they beat them up. They didn't start that fight. They finished it. And the, the DNC went, yes, we've got it. Let's uh, let's throw these guys in prison. They're still in prison now. They got one year left. That, this was four years ago. Their sentence was four years. Uh, and I, I, I get people on the right saying, those guys just sort of taken it. Let the bottle of piss hit you in the face. Take a beating and those guys wouldn't be in jail. No, we're not going to sit there and get abused. Max and John did nothing wrong. They fought They fought a fight for 17 seconds. And, and it's true. The DNC did use that as propaganda. In fact, the judge, Mark Dwyer, said this fight, political fighting, reminds him of 1930s Europe. So he called me Hitler in the actual sentencing. But what's the solution? To, to just keep taking it? No, I'm not. Martin Luther King, I'm Malcolm X. And if someone attacks you, fight back. Don't attack innocent people ever. But if someone else attacks (sighs) you, stand up for yourself. That used to be normal, uh, a normal philosophy. The weird thing is there's an element here at which I do kind of agree with him, just from the opposite side of the political spectrum, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. The other thing is, I mean, there was your, I, it wasn't the beer putsch uh, reference, but or but at least was like 1930s brown shirts uh, fighting in the streets uh, reference. Uh, but it's, it, the thing is, it's like, yes, violence, I, I, I do hate this aspect of kind of like liberals pushing back against violence, where it's like, no, some violence can and will be necessary in the struggle for like rights for people and the the struggle for a better society like that's we have to be aware that that's a very real possibility and not like cry about it you know so i on that front sure but let's talk about this new york fight shall we (laughs) because yeah because i don't feel like that's how the story played out because i do remember when that happened uh yes and like the, the other part of it, too, is Ezra just, like, moves on after this, uh, which I think is worth highlighting, because, like, I, I feel like this is an angle Ezra doesn't want to go down. He doesn't want to have Gavin on his show promoting the idea that violence is necessary, <laughs> you know? Because yeah. that, like, takes away from Ezra trying to paint them as this, like, nice boy fraternity just, you know, hanging out, being boys. Uh, they're actually promoting the usage uh, of violence here, right? Now, what happened at this event 
we've already sort of discussed it on previous episodes. So if you want to go into it, uh, we have uh, more of that. And the reason why it got brought up too on Ezra's show is because that was around the time when the Proud Boys were announced to be a terrorist organization in Canada. And Ezra brought it up then and was wrong about it then as well. Now, the one thing that we know about <laughs> what happened at this event is that the violence was all instigated by the Proud Boys. And then you might go, well, how do we know that to be the case? Well, it was all caught on video footage. And it wasn't the video footage of anyone involved. It was like video footage attached to all the buildings in the, the area. And so there's multiple angles that were all brought to the trial that all show <laughs> that it was the Proud Boys that instigated this violence. Okay? So that that's like kind of... And I don't know what he's talking about, the urine, all that shit. Like, I've, like, he's just making shit up, right? I think at the time, a video went viral where you see a, a person in Black Block throw a water bottle at a Proud Boy. But what it doesn't show in the previous part of that video is that bottle was initially thrown at them by the Proud Boys, right? So it made the round to be like, look, it was Antifa that initiated the violence. Because this happened right before the Proud Boys assaulted them. Uh, but, like, it was clearly instigated by the Proud Boys, and all the video footage sort of, like, backed that up. The other, like, the other weird thing here is that he wants to blame the DNC for, like, instigating this or like because here's like the the stupid thing that like he's not mentioning here they were found guilty during a jury trial <laughs> so a jury looked at the video footage evidence and was like oh yes the proud boys are the guilty party here we're going to charge you with attempted assault now the other thing is you might be going why were they just charged with attempted assault i thought they actually assaulted people and they did but the thing is the anti-fascist people refused to cooperate with the police, and so therefore, uh, in order to be charged with assault, they needed their cooperation. So the mm -hmm. only charge they were able to get was attempted assault. So that means that none of the evidence in the court was from the perspective of the anti-fascist because they refused to participate. And so they were solely convicted based on the video footage evidence during this trial. <laughs> That's so great. I love anti-fascists. That's so funny. <laughs> like, there's like, no, I'm not working with the cops. Like, what? Right? <laughs> but it's just like to frame this as somehow like the anti-fascists are the bad ones. Like, they were, they were merely protesting. They were then assaulted for protesting. And then like refused to participate with the police. And the Proud Boys still got arrested for attempted assault. So just keep that in mind. What, what, and, and the thing is like, uh, you notice here that Gavin knows them all by name because they're all fucking friends. Like this, <laughs> so you want to try to say that Gavin isn't involved with violent mobs? He's friends with these people that go around the streets and just like beat the shit out of people. So, another note about like the Martin Luther King stuff that I really just like. I found that so funny because of how obsessed like <laughs> Ezra and like all of them are with quoting Martin Luther King and being like, oh wow. You know, why can't you protest peacefully? Black Lives Matter. Why can't like blah, 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 blah. And then Gavin's like, no. Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> it is, yeah, it is because it's like, I mean, that's why it's like, it's so weird that they're trying to play this game to like whitewash him. Like Gavin really is 
a promoter of violence. There's a reason why the Proud Boys were designated a terrorist organization. Like it's, I, I'm not saying, because we've already been over on our podcast, whether the designation was warranted or whether being designated a terrorist in Canada is worthwhile in the first place and all the problems with Islamophobia that exist around that designation, et cetera. Like we've already talked about it. The point is there is still a context with why it happened, you know, uh, and, and you can't get away from that fact by just being like, oh, we're nice. We're a boy group. I, I think at one point too, Ezra mentioned that like they do like a fro a frosh thing where there's like some violence in the initiation. And I, it's just worth reminding that what that is, is to be initiated in the Proud Boys. They like punch you while you're in a circle, while you have to like name cereal brands or some shit. <laughs> so, uh, because they're just boys, you know, they're just being boys. Boys doing boy stuff. So then they go on. I skipped over a bunch of stuff here because it's not worth getting into too much. But they, they then start talking about comedy and how the left spins uh, Gavin's comedy to paint him a Nazi. So they're like, they take they take my my jokes that make me sound like a Nazi and then they, they use them to paint me as a Nazi. And he's like, but you could take a bunch of my content and spin me as a raging homosexual as well. Uh and it's like, okay, Gavin, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think I've I've suggested enough that you have enough connections with the Nazis that we don't need just your comedy to uh, make those associations. So, I mean, uh, the other thing too is like, you know, we have problems with Gavin being a Nazi. We wouldn't care if he were gay. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, but uh, it's Gavin might, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. But. Uh, uh, Ezra then says that Gavin made up the word hipster, which I thought was uh, pretty funny. <laughs> uh, no need to sample that either, but they literally, they have a, a little bit of a back and forth about the fact that Gavin created the word hipster. So, uh, I guess because he co-created Vice? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Ezra then calls uh, Gavin the Jordan Peterson before there was a Jordan Peterson uh, on the scene. So, uh which is going to fit into to where this is uh, inevitably going to end up here. But uh, while reminiscing about this and about his past, Gavin admits why he was uh, kicked out of this ad agency. And the reason why he was kicked out of the ad agency when he did like promotional videos for uh, Vans shoes was because he apparently at some point uh, said that trans people are just mentally ill gays. And he doesn't explain the context of that. And I'm like, did you do that at a board meeting? Like, what? <laughs> like, or, or is this like a part of your like comedy routine that you're like being singled out for? But it's good to know that he's also uh, transphobic as well, which is another prominent aspect of all this bullshit. So then uh, they want to talk about all the recent social movement stuff. So Gavin's talking about truckers. He's talking about January 6th, Black Lives Matter. And he's trying to argue that people are waking up to the idea that the left, you know, they're the real racists. The truckers in Ottawa drastically changed the course of Western history because we were told they're Nazis, we're told they're evil, and people have been falling for that. They fell for that with the Proud Boys. They fell for that with January 6th. Then they tuned in and they saw bouncy castles. Right. And they went, wait a minute. Those don't look like Nazis to me. Those look like working class people who have had enough. Then they start going backwards. It becomes an, a self-audit where you go, wait a minute. Well, then what was January 6th? Well, wait, what was the Proud Boys? And at the same time, we're told that black people are victims and they're constantly under siege from the police. 
and some black dude kills a bunch of dancing grannies. You couldn't get more innocent than dancing grannies. Now we've got the subway shooting by another black racist. This is not a random unhinged person. These people are hinged racist terrorists. So you made a face there. The dancing grannies was the person who drove the uh, his SUV through a parade that happened a while back. Uh, uh. It was... It was a, a black man, and that was used by the right to be like, look, this is evidence of like back black people's criminality, which is like, just look at the, like, in, in how, uh, you know, he initially frames this, which is like, it's the left that are racists. And, but like the two examples uh, are like two black people committing crime. <laughs> you know, I'm not racist. It's just. I'm only going to refer to black people committing crimes and then use somehow use these two examples to show that there's some sort of pattern here. Meanwhile, like I've pretty much in this episode have gone over countless events of the proud boys doing racist things or in like being part of the inspiration for mass shooting events. You know, it's like, you know, maybe these things are not uh, not equal here. And yet I wonder why, why Gavin, are you focusing on uh the race of two people who committed crimes. I wonder. No idea. It's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Gavin encourage the next part is uh, Gavin encourages people to buy physical books. So uh, I didn't clip it, but I thought that you would have some camaraderie with Gavin. <laughs> he's like, you need. He's like, in order to stop all the censorship on the internet you need to buy hard copy physical books and keep them in your house that's the only way to get past the internet censors so uh he likes books you know you have something in common with gavin <laughs> great <laughs> the other like he says something that's also weird here he goes he mentions some weird Christian anti-trans book I've never heard of before. And he's like, it's been scrubbed from the internet. And yet you could still find Mein Kampf. And I'm like, yeah, but there's probably historical relevance to Mein Kampf that you can learn from even from like an anti-fascist perspective. Like there's reasons for why that book uh, is still kicking around uh, and, and at least is accessible. But like that's different than a current book written by someone I've probably never heard of that's targeting the trans community. <laughs> like, that's a little different. Uh, but it's probably also not being scrubbed from the internet. It's probably that it's just a shitty book that no one wants to read. But that That's be... censorship. <laughs> if you don't buy a shitty book, that's censorship. We now get into the, the Western civilization, civilization stuff. You'll notice I get it, the, the last clip as well. He said the truckers... <laughs> And, and that was the one, the last thing that we didn't focus on the last piece there was this idea that somehow, uh, you know, the people on the right are waking up because once you learn that the truckers had bouncy castles, uh, there's no going back. Then you realize that it's all a, a charade that like the right wing was correct the whole time because they had bouncy because Nazis can't have bouncy castles. So the <laughs> and like. We, we covered the trucker convoy. There was tons of uh, Nazis and right-wing adjacent people associated with that movement. Pat King, who was the leader of the fucking trucker convoy, has said white genocide shit, just like people who've been on Rebel Show. Like, th these things existed. There was flags flown there, not just the Nazi one, but Canada first, and uh, the Eureka flag from Australia. Like, there was many far-right symbols at and the rally. And Alberta, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
so, the diagonal people like it's just one of those things where it's like i mean this this is their game their game is to constantly be like uh to try to convince people that the the media is lying to them about how far right these people are and yet they always seem to be associated with far right people i wonder why my friends okay <laughs> theme of this show i wonder why they just keep on associating with nazis and yet they're standing here in front of us going me a nazi <laughs> What? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, and then, and then, we're like, you know, we're gonna transition into what I think is like some pretty downright Nazi shit. Just like they get to pretend that it isn't, which is they're gonna talk about how they're all Western uh, chauvinists and how, like, you know, Western civilization helped everyone, and it wouldn't have been possible if not for all these brave boys doing boy stuff and making Western civilization to be what it is. So I'm going to play a bit of a long clip. We're probably going to cut it into uh, two here. But here is uh, Gavin sort of like constructing uh, the idea of, of why the Proud Boys are so popular and how it relates to you know, Western civilization. This is why Proud Boys took off, because there is a need for men to congregate and for men to be proud of themselves, because they should be. You know, Western man didn't invent slavery. He ended it. The accomplishments of Western man are alarming. I mean... Look around the room and think of who invented all of this stuff and who put it together. And you're looking at Western man's incredible accomplishments. The machine that built my bar stools is an incredible work of art. So, you know, back when our dads were young men, there was endless clubs. Look at the Flintstones with the water buffaloes and Ed Norton and Ralph Cramden. Uh, you know, you you met every Thursday and you had the buffalo horns and you had the the routine, the, the, the jackets with the epaulets and the, the bizarre rituals that you would do with the Shriners and the Masons and the Knights of Columbus. And, and the, the, you'd have individual little ones that no one heard of. And they, they go back to the Industrial Revolution because men wanted to get a cheap beer uh, after work and be able to fart without worrying about who heard it. And then in the 80s, the Gloria Steinem feminists said this is verboten. And as Ann Coulter points out, so the men only place men could go to without ladies was strip clubs. Now, there is plenty of women there, but there's no ladies. And in the name of promoting feminism, they drove men to strip clubs. So when I came up with this idea for an old school men's club on a lark, it absolutely exploded because we had been forced by woke feminists to hate ourselves and never congregate. And it's just unnatural. Like you might as well be trying to stamp out heterosexual sex, which they are in many ways. The people are going to find a way behind a dumpster. They're going to get up to their sexual shenanigans because it's just normal. Pride is normal. Shame culture doesn't feel right. I mean, this is like the, the essential nature shit that like there's something about there's something essential to the man where he needs just like those old Flintstone cartoons. <laughs> where they gather in clubs and like and like and and it's something like ingrained about us about heterosexual sex that you just need to have heterosexual sex to say otherwise is and then he's like but then he's like it's the left shaming us for these proclivities meanwhile what he's what they're really doing is shaming everyone else for not being heteronormative you know uh and it's like maybe that's like the worst like 
at the end of the day, all the people on the left, I don't think there's a single leftist out there that is, well, I mean, I, I say that and there's always like uh, an exception to the rule, but most people are like, I don't care what you do with your family. And so long as it's consensual and everyone's having a good time, like you do your thing, you know? And it's like, I, I'm not the one walking around being like, no, you need to have straight sex. <laughs> <laughs> you need to uh, congregate like the Flintstones did. And this is what it means to be a man. Like, you're the ones creating, like, the box and the boundaries here. We're the ones being like, be your true self. The left wants us to stop doing fight clubs and um, to touch our wives skin to skin rather than through a sheet with a hole cut in it. <laughs> and they're trying to cancel all of the things that made it. Utah, great. Well, like the, the funny thing too is like there there are constraints to the kind of culture that he's talking about. There's many reasons why like uh, uh those those so, sort of like manly congregations of these like cliques actually like harmed other people by like uh you know excluding others from participating in them and like being like you're not manly enough we're not going to keep you in here or like you know there was tons of shaming and ostracizing that occurred in these kind of fraternities like that's why they're fraternities they they didn't just let everyone in if you're a man come on in like that's not how these things worked like just look at fraternity culture today like <laughs> like this shit is not that is unhealthy masculinity uh, you know dare i say toxic masculinity what what goes on in a lot of these uh groups you know, and the other like prominent thing too is like his only real examples were ones from like post World War Two, where it's like, hmm, maybe there were other circumstances that led to these men wanting to gather in weird uniforms with weird rituals to, you know, like be together in a somewhat familiar fashion, perhaps reminiscent of military culture, like, and again very historically specific that can't really be applied previous to that and can't really be applied in the same way after either almost as if things change sometimes whoa yeah but it's like i mean but that's why he has to sell it as normal those like it was normal to do that because like they have in their head their own particular deal ideal of what normalcy is but it's like mm -hmm. it was particular to a certain context you know it's like that context is over. Let's create new like new uh, ways of being. Like that's the funny thing is there's he wants to say that we're the ones shaming, where there's reality is so constraining. Like, do we have to keep living like it's the 1950s? Why like why is that the ideal? I don't personally want to go back to that time period. <laughs> Jody, you're saying that fascist movements invent a mythic past to go back to where things were better? Haven't you been Whoa. listening, Vienna, though? They're not fascist. They're clearly not fascist. What are you talking no. about? No, 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 no. They say they're not Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they admit to being Western chauvinists, which is pretty much fascist in my books, but, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't have Nazi in the title, so you know it's okay. But... <laughs> We will continue this clip, though, so we'll see where else uh, Gavin wants to take this. And it's strange that the left has put all their eggs 
in the shame basket and because it's a tough sell. And and one thing I, I want to point out too about the Proud Boys, and this is like, yes, there's the fight that you hear about and John and Max going to prison and this person wore an offensive shirt and this person had a rude tweet. I cannot tell you the hundreds upon hundreds of emails I have from young men telling me, thank you for saying, put a ring on it. I was an idiot. I was playing video games all day. I'd been with my girlfriend for eight years. I didn't have the balls to propose. And then they'll send me a picture of their baby. Uh, then I put a ring on it. Now I got a kid. And I also push this on women. I say, being a housewife, you don't have to be, but there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a fantastic vocation. And we should, one of the Proud Boys tenants is venerate the housewife. So though the media likes to focus on the odd scuffle, the the truth behind Proud Boys and why I will never regret it and why I would do it again a hundred times if I had a time machine is because I've saved thousands of lives, created hundreds of lives by saying, let's stop being basically what Vice used to promote, just blind hedonists and say, look, you've had your first drink at 14. You're 24 now. That's 10 years of partying. I think your oats are sown. I think it's time to stop getting wasted every day and grow up, get a job, get an apartment, put a ring on it. And that's happened innumerable times. Thank God. Thank God. I Thank God the right and particularly Christians and Western civilization has never relied on shame before now. <laughs> it, it is like weird, the packaging of like, religious conservatism as like the new form of rebellion like the right we're all right we're hipsters and we're cool i created the word hipster you know we're just we're just so cool which is why we need to settle down get married have kids like our parents always told us we should and be good christian boys that's <laughs> that's rebellion <laughs> it's also like the weird thing where it's like that is still the cultural norm like, they keep talking about as if this, like, idea and conception has gone away or been destroyed. It's still here. Like, like I, I don't know what world, like, they are living in. But, uh, no, it's still here. Those pressures still exist. A lot of people are, are shamed into heteronormative uh, relationships as well as, like, uh, uh, normative gender roles, etc. by their family who are raised on strict... Christian theocracy, you know, it's like, I, I don't, I don't know what they're fucking talking about. And it isn't rebellion. It's like that, that is the, like the perfect conception of what uh, conformity is, is to just become a Christian conservative housewife or a breadwinner and just live out your nuclear family. Because apparently, again, that ideal is just essential and even though the nuclear family has only been here for like, what, maybe a hundred years, uh, it is the norm and must be held to at all costs. Uh, any any other deviation apparently is uh, not in our genetics or something. <laughs> yeah. I also like the, oh, we, in we encourage the veneration of the housewife. And it's like, okay, pay her then. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're doing wages for housework now. Hell Yeah. I mean, yeah, go go all the way there. But of course, no, that's not how it works. No. Uh, Gavin did mention about how, like, uh, I think it was porn or video games are, like, warping people's brains. And so he goes into a bit more detail with that uh, about how uh, video games and porn are warping reality. It's not real. It's like pornography. Your brain doesn't realize that you're not 
in Afghanistan saving your buddies. So it releases dopamine because saving your buddy is something worth a reward. And then you get out into the real world and your body goes, what happened to you? You just yesterday, you were shooting bad guys and carrying your friends out of the trenches to safety. And now you're what on your way to Arby's you suck. So you get depressed. You've created this fake world. Like with porn, you sit there and you have your choice of an infinite tens. So your brain thinks that you're Genghis Khan and you're inseminating the world. So then you get out, you meet a girl, she's not interested, and your brain goes, what the hell happened to you? Yesterday you were, you were carpet bombing all of Asia with your penis, and now you're a nobody. So you create this false world that, that makes the real world so crappy that you don't want to live in it. I don't understand why this is so popular among like just tons of people that somehow watching TV, playing video games, watching porn, that somehow it tricks your brain into like this being reality when it's like, no, your brain is pretty aware that you're masturbating to images on a screen. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know. Think about it yourself. When you're masturbating, are you thinking to yourself, this is a real person? I, like Genghis Khan, am in 78 millions of women. Like, my, personally, my brain, not doing that. Also, just like that your brain can be tricked so easily in the sense of like, oh, wow, a hand and any other orifice are the same. Like, or, or me playing Call of Duty is just like actually being in Afghanistan. Yeah, just like actual death. <laughs> Every time I respawn, I feel the pain. I feel myself slowly bleeding out on the floor <laughs> after I've been shot multiple times. And then when I respawn, I feel all of my soul and atoms just being rebuilt. Just like real war. The, the funny thing is, like, he, he hits on something that is the correct answer here, which has nothing to do with, like, faking about reality, which is that, like, for a lot of people, life is shit. You know, mm -hmm. and it's not it's not the porn in the video games. It's the fact that life is shit, you know, uh, and maybe like we should fix life, you know, maybe fix society, maybe <laughs> fix some of the reasons why I'm stressed out and uh, and cope with that stress by playing video games and masturbating to porn. Maybe that's and then and then we wouldn't feel any shame, would we? Because then like life is fine and we're masturbating. <laughs> This is this is good, you know, but I think like part of the issue is like life is shit and then you go home and you masturbate and you still don't feel great. So then like you associate the two and it's like, no, life, life shits for reasons uh, or life is shitty for reasons other than uh, your masturbation habit, uh, which is likely fine. Uh, have fun. <laughs> you're you're arguably harming no one in that circumstance. I mean, it is worth highlighting that the Proud Boys, as well as Gavin, are big in the no-fat movement. Uh, so they do believe in ideas that, like, somehow semen retention saves saves some sort of vital energy. Uh, and and you if you release it, you'll lose some, like, masculinity magic. <laughs> uh, although I I'll just say here, we, we have some YouTube videos about this on our uh, YouTube page. Uh, No-fap is bullshit. Just the whole thing is bullshit. Uh, just say listen jody spilling your seed in anything <laughs> other than a fertile womb is a sin so uh you know what you got me there uh i can't necessarily argue against theology i can argue against elon vital being stored in the semen i can 
uh, unless it's in the religious text. <laughs> Listen, your sin meter goes up, your health meter goes down. That's just how it works. My God. The the funny thing is, so he he says all this, and then he goes on to talk about his own son, and says that his son would be happy. Uh, if he was just like with his Oculus Rift in a prison cell doing nothing but playing video games. <laughs> and uh, his his solution is like, he's like, this is bad because he's like, video games and masturbation are not real accomplishments. And so he's trying to say like, the purpose of the Proud Boys is that, you know, there, you you get to realize that you could accomplish goals and you could get some physical exercise, uh, and that's that's what being a, a proud boy is all about. When I push, when I'm trying to sell you on going outside, putting away your phone, meeting a girl, getting in shape, going to the gym, accomplishing things, there's rewards there. So. You know, when the government pushes diversity, no one really benefits and they have to spend billions promoting it because mass immigration and, and ethnomasochism uh, don't really have any rewards. What I'm selling has rewards. If you put away your phone and you go meet an actual human girl and you end up smooching her, that smooch feels a hell of a lot better than red tube. Uh, or you porn. And then when they, these guys come back to me, they go, holy crap, you were right. That was fun. Oh boy. Kissing them ladies. That's fun. <laughs> do you, <laughs> do you not find it weird that in the middle of that, he just all of a sudden starts ranting about diversity and ethnomasochism? Yeah, that was a little bit of a strange one. But, like, I want to remind you, he's not, he's claimed throughout most of this interview how unracist he is, how, like, he's not a racist. And yet, for some reason, he's like, the right wants you to accomplish things like procreating, uh, kissing a lady, uh, getting a job. And the, the left, they don't want to accomplish things. They want diversity and ethnomasochism. Because Listen, some. Listen, Jody. Yeah. <laughs> The right wants to create a safe future for our white children. The left, the left doesn't want that. Well, it's like, I want to be like, please expand on what you mean by how letting immigrants in is committing ethnomasochism. Uh, because that sounds pretty racist to me. To suggest that somehow, like, you're being masochistic to a, an ethnic group, like, let's say, whiteness, that by letting other non-white people into your country. Uh, strange how they don't fixate on this and why Gavin would just randomly bring it up out of nowhere uh, when talking about what, what the right does as opposed to the left, you know. He probably, like, noticed that there wasn't enough time left <laughs> in the interview to get into the 14 words, so he had to, like, throw it in somewhere. Well, the weird thing is because the next thing he says is kind of like, yeah, but I'm still not racist. So we'll play that clip. <laughs> I am a Western chauvinist. I know the West is best for everyone. Minorities, the oppressed, liberal Marxists, their safety, they're safer under a Archie Bunker patriarchy. And so I want to promote this. I, my big message is more families, black, white, every just more nuclear family stay together don't get divorced don't watch porn 
like I, I mean like ignoring the fact of like uh saying to people not to get divorced is fucking a terrible idea especially if you're in a toxic relationship please get divorced uh mm-hmm but like, I get he has to throw in. It's like, oh, I just want more families, even if they're black families. Okay, well then, what's what's wrong with immigrants coming in and having families? Like, uh, of course, like uh, these things are contradictory uh, in his head because he has to say this last bit to like make it. Oh, look, look, I'm not racist. Uh, I want everyone to to have kids or whatever. Yet he's still saying like uh, he just openly admits like we are Western chauvinists and uh, our philosophy is to create more babies. Yes, and they have to be integrated into Western society. Yeah. Yep, and that's that's the proud boy philosophy. That's that subs it up. That's his whole thing. We want to create more uh, more white babies. Uh, so uh, again, they want to say that they're not racist, but uh, I, I don't know. We'll we'll let you decide, listener. <laughs> Is he a racist? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He does end by saying uh, that he wants to save Western man from himself because Western man is constantly tempted by the evils of socialism. <laughs> he then, True. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, not going to lie there. I'm pretty tempted. He then says that this is why he doesn't punch right because we need the, all the help that we can get. Uh, and I want to say, like, you know, he he might want to what is it like unite the right, uh, <laughs> you know maybe I don't I, there was like a movement I think that happened in 2017 that that shared the same name I wonder I wonder who was associated with that movement, uh, you know where they united both uh, proud boys and neo Nazis like I I wonder I wonder what's happening here, or why he won't punch right. They then uh, finally conclude, Ezra had to stick it in the last minute, some talks about COVID. And so this is everything rapid fire what Gavin had to say about COVID. He said, first, the lockdown showed us who is genetically communist, which, <laughs> because it just showed right. on the whim who was willing to go along with the lockdowns. And that had to do with their genetics, clearly. Uh, <laughs> he then says uh, that... Uh, uh, COVID was God actually telling us uh, to not be fat because apparently only fat people died of COVID. Uh, I also love the implication here, which is that like you're you deserve to die if you're fat. So that's that's good to know as well. Wonderful. And then he basically says that uh, the trucker convoy was all because of Ezra Levant. So. We end by Gavin admitting something that I, I think is sadly true. Uh, and something uh, of why why this show that we cover particularly concerning what's going on in this world right now. Pretty concerning. Uh, I don't like what's happening at these peer rallies. Pretty concerning, you know? Uh, yep. You know, the fact that we live in a world because of people like Ezra, where like I feel like that does put pressure on politicians to remove mask, dates, mask mandates and uh, allow me to get COVID when I was trying my best not to get COVID, <laughs> you know? Uh you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't take these people at their word because they like to play on this all the time. We saw this throughout this whole episode. It's like the left is constantly telling me what I am, and yet I'm clearly not what the left says I am. And yet they have all these associations with uh, really terrible and evil people, and they are also terrible and evil people. So maybe we should stop listening to them and taking them at their word and start. Uh, I don't know, dealing with this fucking problem. 
everything sucks. Yeah, so I still don't know why Ezra had him on a show, but uh, I thought it was worth going over in full because of, uh, you know, this this is obviously uh, them trying to whitewash their past, and I don't want them to get away with that. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess I will conclude with... Uh, Proud of you, boy. <laughs> Come on, Vieno, sing along. I'll no. make you proud of you, boy. <laughs> Not doing that. Um, since we've talked a lot about, like, neo-reactionary, and, like, you even mentioned Curtis Yarvin by name, um, I'm going to share that article that's titled, uh, Inside the New Right, where Peter Thiel is placing his b- biggest bets. Uh, it's in Vanity Fair. The dude is a little bit, like, I don't know. It's, it's concerning to me, I will say, while you, while you think of your thought, which is that he does seem involved in all of this and yet doesn't get yeah. talked about as much as everyone else. And and I think that's to like our detriment because like he he's he gets platformed and he was recently platformed on Tucker Carlson, you know? Uh, uh little mm-hmm. worrying things are happening with Curtis Yarbin. I'll just put it out there. Yeah. And like on the sense of like, you know, we're talking about the alt right and like how pretty much all of their positions are normalized. That is entirely what this article is. It's a, like, collection of all of these people who are involved in, like, neo-reactionary stuff and, like, whatever else, and heavily educated in, in it, but able to kind of, like, talk and frame it in a way that's a little bit more mainstream in order to just, like, completely normalize it. Um, the author is, like slightly sympathetic to or like you know is at least like on fairly friendly terms with a lot of them which is like you know it's difficult it's journalism etc etc like he's kind of just a mainstream type dude but also it's so it's such a terrifying article to read like it just oof um and we will read it on stream if you check our streams out on wednesday at 8 p.m uh, yeah, we'll go through it, but uh, but if you want to read it ahead of time as well, go for it. It is I I have already read it. It is uh, I agree with the sentiment. It's kind of terrifying, <laughs> but I think worth highlighting. I think that we ignore some of this stuff to our detriment. Of course, you got to focus on other stuff, but like there's a reason why we do this show. If we ignore these things, they fester and uh, do bad shit. So uh, hopefully, we can mitigate some of that. You know? Yeah, yeah. It really it frames the kind of like confluence of all of these like not even necessarily right wing in the classic sense forces into one another and just like i don't know it feels you know because like jd vance and whatever are mentioned in the article and like you know these sorts of people that are becoming more and more mainstream politicians and like they're all kind of like wrapped in on this ability to talk about things like class warfare and things like, you know, how a lot of like mainstream tech culture is kind of like harmful and like 
blah, 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 blah. And like, they're able to hit on some of these points that are what people are feeling in a lot of ways. And then wrap it up into this, like, I, I don't even know how to frame it beyond like proto-fascist, like, it's like the Gavin thing that we just listened to. Life is crap, yeah, no, it's... but our solution is 1950s uh, <laughs> proto-fascism. <laughs> yeah, and converting to Catholicism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is, like, and uh, again, I'll post the BuzzFeed article as well, because like, the, the one of the things that struck me too while reading this article was the kind of like that BuzzFeed article about the emails that were exchanged, I think it was like around 2015 when Milo crafted that article that sort of like mainstreamed uh, the alt-right, that was that was done in secret with all these like emails and had to be leaked. But like reading this article, I'm like, it almost doesn't have to be done in secret anymore. And that to me is worrying where they feel yeah. they feel comfortable in just doing this right out in the open because they've been so enabled and emboldened. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it's again, terrifying. I'm, I, you know, I don't like where this is heading, but, uh, here it is. Yep. Yep. So, uh, we love you. Uh, we love you very much. <laughs> and if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, uh, please consider giving us a, giving us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash Imperial news. Uh, and thanks for tolerating my uh, nasal congestion as well as the COVID for the past uh, last week. So uh, I promise we will catch up with the content. Uh, and as we acknowledged, uh, I I don't think I've announced it on the show yet, but uh, we will have additional bonus content that we're doing with Eric from Big Shady Takes. It'll be a monthly episode of us like going over a book. And I think we're going to start with Shakedown. I already did that sort of uh, when we first started doing the podcast right before COVID hit and then I scrapped the project because I just didn't have time. So we're going to bring that back. I'm going to do it from scratch and it's going to be a cohesive thing that we're doing with Eric and then we'll change the book up once we're done this book. But if you want a bonus episode, uh, I think Eric is going to be releasing it to their patrons as well. So if you become a patron to Imperial News or if you become a patron to Big Shiny Takes, you'll have access to... Uh, these bonus episodes that we're going to do a month. So hooray for that. Uh, so if you liked Eric being on the show last week, it should be similar to that. So if you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News of the Z. We have a Discord set up. We do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find videos on our YouTube channel, and you can find all the links in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at strymasontickle.com. Thank you for listening. And no fap, you canceled. So go on out there and just fap away. Fap till your heart's content. Fap. (laughs) Fap Fap till your heart fails. (laughs) Fap until you're proud of your boy. Bye. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.